0: Welcome to DYK, sharing reputable Ataxia information in short, simple, digestible surveys. Helping the world become acquainted with Ataxia, with your host, Dana Laura. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Did You Know podcast. I'm here in Philly. And look who I found. I found hey, Kyle hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking with you today. I want to share your story with everybody out there. Those that know you, those that might not know you. And I'm really excited that you had a few minutes to spend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this format, you know, on audio and we can have like a long conversation and get into stuff. And, uh, and 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 be real and look at each other in the eye and share it together. Right. So yeah. I we love have it. a
0: lot of history. We met about ten years ago. You had rode into Seattle on your trike.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was um we started in Portland, Oregon, and we ended up in Seattle. It was two hundred miles in four days and we had like seventy people with us and it was truly amazing to pull into the conference. With a big line of cyclists, you know, and yeah. everyone cheering. And, and we did a reception right, right there on the spot. And, yeah, you were there. And yeah. it was, yeah, it was truly incredible.
0: It was really incredible. So I would like to, like, go back to the beginnings, right? So you have Friedrichs Ataxia. So my question for you is I have heard it pronounced many different ways. I've heard it pronounced Friedrichs, Friedreichs. Uh, what is the correct pronunciation of it? Well,
1: I think, uh, I mean... The correct it's German, right? Okay. So I think the correct one is probably Friedrichs. Yep. But I think everyone says Friedrichs. My family says Fredericks. They do. (laughs) Totally not right.
0: (laughs) Here's our son Kyle. He has Friedrichs (laughs) (laughs) ataxia. That's I love it. Exactly (laughs) what they
1: say. So so I mean it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, what is? Friedrich's ataxia. How does, wh- what are the, some of the symptoms of that?
1: So, like a lot of the diseases that are present here today, um, you know, it's a degenerative neuromuscular disease that affects all muscle coordination from the toes to the fingertips. Okay. And uh, it has symptoms like vision loss, hearing loss, and life-shortening heart complications. Um, also, uh there's scoliosis and diabetes associated with it okay. um, that happens in, in a number of people, and so you know it's truly a multi-system disease. That's how we describe it because it affects all the the um, systems of the body all right. um, because it affects almost every single cell in our body. You know, um, so DNA is a series of codes. One of those codes is GAA. I, you you have less than thirty repeats of GAA in your DNA. I have four hundred fifty repeats. S- repeats. Wow. So some of my friends with F A have over a thousand, up to like fourteen hundred repeats.
0: So everybody's different. Yeah, yeah.
1: and um, so those that code gets decoded and makes a protein called frataxin. And now I don't make enough frataxin, And That's the underlying cause of the disease. And that, um, it's in the DNA, right? So that's in every cell in our body. So it affects everything. It affects all the systems.
0: Wow. So how old were you, Kyle, when you were diagnosed with Friedrich's ataxia?
1: I was uh, 17. 17. I might have been, like, late, like, almost 17, but yeah, yeah, so... Now,
0: so I understand that prior to that, you were an athlete. You were a pitcher on a baseball team? That's correct, yeah. So how did that diagnosis impact you? First of all, how did you, what started you questioning whether or not something was off with you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think we all have a vision for our lives, right? And yeah. sometimes that vision can be really far into the future. Um, you know, I think m- the main thing that happened when I was diagnosed with F.A. and started to find out what it was is that that vision came crumbling down, right?
0: What was your vision? What I did mean, you want to do with your life?
1: It Generally, it was just like, you know, get married, have kids, and like have a little white picket fence, right? And yep. stuff like that. Just kind of the American dream, the American you know? Dream. And, and um, all of a sudden, i realized that, like, all of that stuff might not even happen on one hand, but also that it's going to be at least very different than what I had in my mind, you right. know? Right, right. Um, and so in... in You mentioned sports like baseball, and I I also played basketball. I was a skier. You know, I played volleyball on the team in high school, and um, so you know, I started realizing that all of that stuff was not going to be a part of my life uh, as I knew it um, at that time. At that time. So. So
0: how did you cope with that? Like what, what were some of the emotions that you went through when you found out about that? Because I know that my husband has ataxia, and when he first found out about it, you go through a period where you know it's the unknown, and you really don't know what to expect, and right. it's kind of scary. So I was just wondering if you could share just a little bit of your feelings. Yeah, and I think
1: for me, it was mainly like... Before I met anyone else that had ataxia or Friedrich's drugs ataxia, um, you know, it was really lonely and scary, like you said, you know. And um, I think we were all just scared for the future and not knowing what was. Because all we had to go off of at that point was what you read online. Right. And, and you don't know
0: if it's reputable.
1: Well, and it's like the most terrible things. Like, yes. You know... I'm in a wheelchair now, but at that time, to think I was ever going to be in a wheelchair was like the most terrible thing, right? And, and you're probably going to die a premature death due to heart disease and all these things, and it was just a list of symptoms. And that's all I knew about it, and, you know. And But then I met other people, and I could start putting, like, a soul behind it almost and yeah. a mind and a, and a personality and I'm like oh life is not over because like Wait. I can follow what all these other people are doing.
0: To... How did you meet those people? Through NAF. Through NAF. And, through the National and how Deacon did you learn about NAF? Did what did your neurologist tell you about NAF or did you find NAF on one of your searches in the I internet. I think
1: probably my parents found it. Okay. Um, because you know, like any parents gonna you know, do, they they right when they got the diagnosis, they hit Google. Um, <laughs> it was I guess Google wasn't as big back in 1998, yep. but you know, and um, one of the things that came up with the National Taxpayer Foundation. Um, The free drinks that attacks the research lines was just getting started at that point. So there wasn't as much about, about Farrah. But, um, you know, so my parents started going to uh, regional support group meetings in Northern California. Okay. um, And I wasn't quite ready for that. You weren't. And so they would be like, hey, we're going to go to this support group meeting. You can come if you want. Like, you don't need to, but... And so, you know, one of the things I tell parents is, like, I really appreciate what my parents did. Like, I'm not sure they consciously were like, this is the best way to handle it, you know. (laughs) But I really do appreciate what they did because they, I, you know, I respect them so much. And I saw what they were doing. They were equipping themselves and getting to know as much as they can about this. And I saw that and even though I wasn't necessarily ready for that yet, um, you know, it showed me how much they were doing and you know, I really respected that. And so when I was ready I knew they had some answers, you know. Yeah.
0: And you know, I think so often so I'm a parent myself and I think so often, you know, you can say all these things to your children and they don't listen to what you say. But you have to lead by example. Totally. So that's like a really oh great, gosh, yeah. yeah. That's a really great analogy. Well, for and
1: that. you know, I'm I'm 36 now, and and uh, I think back on, like we all do, right, on some things my mom said, and she probably <laughs> thought that I wasn't listening. Yeah. But it really makes
0: a big impact, just like little little things. Yeah, little know? things. So, it is yeah. funny. And I think too, what your parents were also doing is they they were searching for that community of people that understood what was happening right yeah, so through absolutely. that support group you because. meet other people who are in the same life situation as you and you just It's an instant bond. Yeah. Because those people get it. And you can be yourself around those people because you don't have to explain the millions of things that go along with having ataxia.
1: Right, yeah. Like, all of a sudden, ataxia is the baseline. Like, that's where we start. We we don't have to explain anything. And, like, then we can build on that uh, and actually talk about real things, you know? of Explaining ourselves over and over again. So
0: It makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I think when I met, you in 2009, at that point, like you say, Farrah was just getting off the ground. So it was part of the National Ataxia Foundation. And then over the years, it became bigger and it branched off. And so it it ended up, um, you know, having its own separate meetings and so forth. Yeah. And you, for those people who don't know... You are the founder and event director for Ride Ataxia. Correct. You also are a speaker and a spokesperson for Farah. Right. So, how did you become the speaker and spokesperson for Farah?
1: Well, so I just started riding my trike. I think that, you know, that's where it started. And it started as, um, Riding my trike to the NAF meetings. Um, in 2007, I did a ride from uh, San Diego to Memphis. And, um, and me and my dad did that ride because the National Taxi Foundation was in Memphis. It was the 50th year. It was the 50th year. Oh, yeah. well, that
0: was good. Yeah, for yeah. 50 years.
1: So, and I think, you know, for a lot of listeners out there who are like, how does a guy in a wheelchair ride a bike? Like, I that, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that might be
0: a great question. Yeah, exactly. So, how do you ride a bike? And you didn't, and you also use the word trike,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I ride a recumbent trike, it's got three wheels. I have plenty of power left in my legs, just no balance. And so, I think that's
0: a misconception, don't you? That like somebody with ataxia is in a wheelchair because they have no strength in their legs. Yeah, I think it's kind of a misconception, yeah,
1: and I think there is, um. Less strength because, like, well, for me, I don't have as much strength as I was, as I would if I would uh, be walking around. You know,
0: some of that is getting older too. I oh, okay, tell you. all right, yeah, that
1: too. So but um, but yeah. So, and you know, some some kids with that can't use their legs as well. Yeah. So that's something I I always have to remind myself that I am so fortunate to have the ability that I have because it's just not the case for a lot of people and um, you know people see me and they go well what's the big deal like this guy looks like a happy guy who has a a life in front of him right and it's just not the same situation you know a lot of kids are dealing with cardiomyopathy and they 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 and their families have to think every day like is this are are we gonna have a cardiac event today right. um right. is this gonna become a life-threatening situation at any moment you know or you know like i said earlier a lot of people deal with vision loss and hearing loss and that's just a constant thing they have to deal with you know i i you know that's something that i don't yet have to deal with, so I have to, you know, I have to put it into perspective, for sure.
0: for sure, and, you know, um, getting back to how it came that you ended up being the spokesperson for Farah, I mean, personally, I would say it's because of your energy and your enthusiasm, and you're also very um, inspirational. When I met you, that was my takeaway, is that, wow, he's really not defining himself through this ataxia. Yeah. He is has he has a bigger cause, a bigger mission, and I just was so inspired after talking to you. Yeah. It made me want to do something. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the reason why you became the spokesperson, but that would be my well
1: I think that I just had a mentality of all right, I've got this thing. It's not going away. Yep. I'm gonna take it as far as I can. Yep and you know maybe maybe it's part of my purpose and um you know that's kind of how i looked at it and i think that has allowed me to uh to use it to enhance my life rather than um rather than a bad thing that's gonna you know only limit me i um I, I truly think, like, I never would have ridden my track across, or bike or whatever across the country if I didn't have that thing, right? So, like, you know, at that point, I none of this stuff, like, I wouldn't be doing any of the stuff that I truly, truly love. We wouldn't be talking. To yeah, we wouldn't now. be
0: talking. You're <laughs> exactly. right. You're right. So, You're right. Um,
1: yeah, but so, I mean... I think that um you know and I I've, I've been thinking about this lately and like in the beginning I was like i even said to one of my friends I don't want FA to define my life right and now here I am like I'm the whatever like I've defined my life on <laughs> FA right and And maybe that's not true because... I
0: think it's different. Yeah. I think it's different. I I see somebody as letting an illness define them as someone who is very um, isolated and feeling bad for themselves and not wanting to put themselves out there. And so I feel like you are defined by ataxia through the good work that you do. So I see it's different. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I think I feel like you've got a fully embrace it and you know what to tell you the truth I haven't fully embraced it I don't think I don't think that's a thing to fully accept I think it's a daily process right yes um and but I think the more you can accept and um go into it rather than run away um I I feel like it's just it brings richness, I think, to your life. As
0: as you guys know, you know, I'm preaching in the choir here. <laughs> I know, but there are many people out there yeah. and, that are listening to us and watching this that don't right. have that perspective. So this is helpful for them to hear.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I was talking to John earlier, and he was, you know, we were talking about disability and how do you do it, how do you keep put your brave face on and... It doesn't even seem going. like you have that thing. Like it doesn't affect right. you as much as me, or whatever you know. And um, and I I don't know. I I don't see it as disability as much as just a different life, like that I then I used to have, um, or than that I had in my mind. You, you know. And so it's taking a different path, but it's not good or bad. It's just different. It's just and different. Yeah, and I'm going to take what I have as far as I can. You
0: know? Now, you, you bring up something that's a really interesting point, though. So people see you. You are the spokesperson. They, they see you on Facebook. You have that great podcast, The Two Disabled Dudes. <laughs> so they you. look at you and they say, boy, yeah. you know, here's someone who has F.A., but they're like a little Energizer bunny. They're here, they're there, they're involved right. in all these things. They must not be that impacted. And so yeah. I'm wondering if you can share with us, what does it take for you to do some of the things you do? Like, after you do them, what happens? Like, Well, like,
1: for example, if I'm, oh my gosh, on stage or something giving mm-hmm. a talk, I crashed so hard after that. I'm like, I need to go to bed. Right. Yeah. And so more and more, I think the energy thing is, um, is affecting me. You know, FA is an energy deprivation disease. I talked about free fritaxin earlier, right? Yes. And free fritaxin makes energy for all the functions of our body. And um,
0: Is it in the mitochondria? Yes. Yes. So I know something about that. There you go. People with mitochondrial disease have very low energy and can't. Depending on where they, um, where they're impacted in their mitochondria, right. they might not make enough energy. They might make the energy, but yeah. it doesn't get transported to the right places. Right. So that, yeah.
1: yeah, that's exactly like FA. It's considered a mitochondrial disease. Okay. So um, because yeah, because frataxin. Um, acts in, in the mitochondria. So, yeah, there wow. you go. Yeah. What What were we talking about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we we're just having a we were talking about how exhausting it is for you to do some of the things oh, yeah. that you do, and people just don't see that. <clears throat> people see the high energy, and they see your face and your ability to do all of these things, but they don't see behind closed doors when Kyle goes home what a toll it takes on Kyle to do yeah. those things.
1: Well, and I mean, yeah, it does. And I've, you know, I have I feel like I'm getting to know more and more every day what my limit is and understanding that I just need to stop when I reach that limit, yeah. you know, and, and go to bed yeah, <laughs> or and whatever. Go to bed. <laughs> um, and But also I think it's a little bit of a mindset too, like, my mind is set on all the things that are not f a and that are not limiting me, you know, and what's the end goal like that is the end goal I think is way different than how we get there, right like yes. we're all gonna get there differently, but we may we have the same goal right um and so i I have my mind set on the end point a lot. And then I just figure out how to get there, whether it looks good or not. Right. Know? Well, I saw
0: something one time which is really applicable to this. They said success isn't a direct line. It looks yeah. like this. Right. Absolutely. And so you're absolutely right. For everybody, you're not just going to go straight to your end goal. Right. And what is your end goal, Kyle? Kyle.
1: That's a good question. Oh my! I was hoping you weren't going to ask that.
0: <laughs> well, in your mind's eye, right this second, yeah. what would you say? You, um, what are you, you working know, towards? I guess not your angle, but what are you working towards?
1: More and more, I am so driven by connecting with the community and figuring out my way to serve the community, and understanding more and more that. F.A. doesn't matter if we have each other.
0: Yeah, that's Whoa. great.
1: So um, I think, you know, just, just serving the community and, and, and doing this together, I think, is what I want to do.
0: You know what? I so, love that. I really yeah. love that because I see that in you. Thank you. So you are working towards that goal. Well, and I see that in you guys. I mean,
1: everything you do is just trying to bring everyone together and really, you know, deliver the understanding that if we connect, we're, we're all in this together.
0: We're all in this together, and together we're stronger. Absolutely. You know, yeah, together I we're stronger. That. And you just had a recent really great, great happened accomplishment and that is the movie the attack scene that was just released i want to tell you i watched it and i thought it was fabulous i would encourage everybody to watch it um so just tell me a little bit about how that came to be
1: so um i mean so i decided to do this crazy bike ride and um it's the race across america and it's three thousand miles from um, San Diego to Annapolis, Maryland, and um, you a team. We had a four-man team. We had to finish in less than nine days, which I couldn't even believe that you <laughs> you took that on.
0: I was like, "What? Oh yeah. my god!"
1: So yeah. um, so we put together this team. We had a crew of 13, 13 people on the crew,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I mean, it just the cost of the the ride, the race, just the entry fee was six thousand dollars
0: per person. No, 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 oh, for, for the everybody. team. Okay, for yeah. the team. Okay, yep, that's a lot and, of money. You know,
1: and then we had to organize the whole thing. We rented cars, RV, you know, and we, we did all kinds of stuff. So we went on a shoestring budget, mm-hmm. and it was forty thousand dollars just wow. to do the race. Just to, do and the so. Race you know, there's all this effort and resources dedicated to getting us cross-country, and it's going to be over in eight days, right? Right. And so I was like, no way. you got to make the most of these eight days. (laughs) Exactly. So I wrote on my blog that I wanted to find someone to, like, videotape just with, like, a handy cam or something, right? And um, so... Somebody from that I went to high school with, she read my blog and she had a friend who was a filmmaker and he didn't have a project at the time. So she reached out to him and that ended up being that's Kevin Schleitzer who is the um cinematographer wow. for, for the film. Wow. So it was just total serendipity. But yeah. again it's that community thing, right? Like we put the call out and our community answered the call and, and you know and Kevin and and the other guy, the other director, Zach. They weren't necessarily part of the FA community at the time,
0: but we brought them in. You know, and now, and now they're they are. now they're a real strong part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my God, that's fabulous. Yeah, it was a lot of heart in that movie. Like you could really see you guys and the struggle. I think yeah. some of what you talked about earlier in terms of the stuff people don't see right. came out in that movie a little bit because yes, you did it and you finished it, but it was, it was a big challenge.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. But, um, you know, I think it was, it was just a, a thing, like, like it was a tangible thing that we could accomplish. And so much of this that we struggle with, with this disease is not tangible, Yes, you know, and there's, it feels like there's nothing you can do. Um, you know what? Maybe there isn't for some of these things that we deal with, right? But this was a thing we could do and actually feel it and make progress and um, and do it for a reason. Um, and so I guess the point of that was that it didn't seem as big as all the other stuff that we deal with, right? And then all yeah. of a sudden it puts it in perspective yeah. like this, this bike race is doable you know even though some of these things we we can't figure out or, or immediately we can finish the toughest bike race in the world like that gives me a lot of confidence to a tackle. lot of pride
0: too yeah that you yeah. did that
1: yeah to tackle some of these
0: intangible things yeah so. oh that's great yeah yeah well i really enjoyed the movie i thought it awesome. was really great thank you um so Kyle, what would you, if you had the opportunity, which I'm going to give to you now, to say anything to the Ataxia community and the people watching or listening to this podcast,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what would you say, what would you tell them?
1: Well, you know, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but it's all right.
0: uh, <laughs> I don't think people can hear it enough,
1: but it's community connecting with other people, you know, um, I know there are people out there that are listening to this right now. They're feeling isolated and lonely, and we've all been there. Yeah, Like, that's the... Excuse me as I get emotional, no, but, I, you know... No, that's uh, fine. That's fine. We, you know, we've all been there, and that's the key, too, is that, like, you, you can be a part of a community that knows how that feels... And also knows how it feels to be pulled out of that isolation. And so connecting with the community is my number one thing that I would say to anyone dealing with ataxia.
0: That's that's great. I would absolutely 100% agree with you because before we found the National Ataxia Foundation, we were in that space, isolated, alone. We didn't know, you know, we felt kind of like... Uh, the odd man out, you know, in in our social circle because, you know, we had something that we were dealing with that nobody understood. And then you go and you meet people that are dealing with the exact same thing, and suddenly it's like you find your tribe, it's like your community, you know, it's like... And what a change in perspective and attitude. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so I, thankful that you were able to join. Please, yeah, go ahead. Too. I don't want to cut you.
1: No, I was going to say, um, the more I think about it, you know, being misunderstood, feeling misunderstood, I think, is like the biggest symptom of ataxia, right? Yeah. Um, or really any d- rare disease. Um, and so connecting with other people is A treatment to take away that
0: feeling of being misunderstood yeah so yeah i'm gonna leave it there that was perfect i'm gonna leave it there so for everybody listening today um either you know watching this podcast or listening to this podcast thank you very much for tuning in um i hope that you were inspired by some of the things that kyle had to say in his story so until next time have a great day everybody Imagine that! Dana Marrow, the Did you know woman. For more great topics, go to iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, or join us on Facebook or at rideforjohn.org. Till next time, DYK.